Oh my goodness, you guys, we are back. Welcome back to Galaxy's Greatest, a Starfinder RPG actual play podcast trailing the adventures of a distant galaxy's greatest heroes. My name is Emma, and let me tell you, if you can't hear it in my voice, I am ecstatic to be recording an intro again. I am smiling through my teeth as I talk to all of you. We have a lot of backlog to release, so that you can hear the last half of Volume 1 and join us for Volume 2. If you have followed us with weekly episodes, then you know we've been out for quite some time. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for your patience. The beginning of 2021 hit me pretty hard, and I needed to take a step back in order to take care of myself. Nonetheless, I'm on the mend, and I am really excited to be back. This is an important passion project for all of us, so we really appreciate you being here. We have sincerely missed all of you, our listeners. So, without further ado, here is Volume 1, Episode 20, Secrets to Share. Previously on Galaxy's Greatest, our heroes and the Thakasa Riders took on Discorp and Chimera in the name of the Gosea Monarchy. However, as a Dominion agent named Domini broke into the tomb of the Warrior Kings, the protagonists realized that the assault was a distraction to raise a group of undead warriors to fight for the Dominion. Our heroes rushed to the tomb, where they confronted Domini. However, they failed. And at the end of the battle, Dom and I left with the recently raised undead kings, and the group was spaced. We now pick up with Brinue. My name is M, and I'm the GM, and this is... Uh, I'm Brittany, and I play Brinue, the Witch Warper. Cool. Um... So we are doing a one-person session because Brinue is going to be experiencing something that the others do not. Um, so we'll jump in. In our last session, we ended on this crazy note where all of you guys are sucked out into space, into the vacuum of space, and then pretty much like group by group, like one by one almost, you guys start blacking out. And each person, depending on their fortitude save saw more or less than the people around them and so some people saw um, this dark sorcerer evil character make off with all of these undead reanimated Sheeran king corpses um, what did bring you AC at the end of that. Do you remember? Um, I believe I saw everything there was to see. I definitely saw the guy um, yeeting out of there with the corpses. Um, before I passed out and almost died, thank you for that one. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, you. so you would have seen then this ship drop out of drift and this 
undead sorcerer person funnel these bodies into the ship, completely unworried about the vacuum of space. He can survive within the vacuum of space, and he just kind of works himself into the ship, and it disappears into the drift. And that was the last thing you saw before passing out. Um, I need you to give me... Let's start with perception. Okay. Uh, 21. 21. Uh, You have just passed out. You're unconscious. You start to feel a tingle in your toes. It begins to wake you up. And then a tingle in your fingers. And then eventually your whole body is starting to kind of prickle itself awake. It's almost as if you have, like a limb has fallen asleep. Like if you've ever had that feeling where your arm is completely numb at night, you wake up in the morning and you're like, why the heck can't I move my arm? And then you kind of get the blood flow to it again and it prickles awake. That's kind of what this feels like, but all across your body. You wake up and you see a little, okay, you're surrounded by greenery and there is a little pathway made of cobblestones. The pathway leads forward and there's a gate to a picket fence that's made out of a brown wood. And past the picket fence is a cute little garden with a little pond and then a very small cabin. What are you doing? Um, is any of this familiar to me? Is this something that I've seen before at all or is it brand new? This would be brand new. Um, okay. Well, so first off, you're, you're like waking up after being thrust into space. So yeah. So I mean, the first thing that I do when I, uh, you said there's a little pond, there's a little pond. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cobblestone road leads to a picket fence past the picket fence is a pond and a cabin. Okay. Um, well, I'm definitely, I'm completely like a little shaken up, a little confused. I, you know, I don't know where I am. Um, so I'm going to do the only thing that makes sense to me in that moment because I'm in such a unfamiliar space is I'm going to head down that cobblestone road, um, go beyond the picket fence and I want to go to the pond and sort of like splash my face with the water in the pond, like put it on the back of my neck, try to like get some sense of my surroundings. Um, and then, uh, go towards the cabin and knock on the door. Sounds good. Uh, you are able to do that, kind of wake yourself up. It probably feels refreshing. Um, the water feels just as you would expect. Um, there are a couple koi fish swimming in the pond. Um, an orange one, a white one, and let's say a black one with like orange spots on it. And they're just kind of circling around. Uh, it's a very small little pond, so they're not the largest koi fish but they are, they seem to have enough space. Um, 
And it's, it's really a beautiful garden around you. There's a rose bush uh, with brilliant white roses. There is a shrub that seems to be uh, like curving upward to make an arch over the cabin. Just in one area, uh, you have some small little bushes that are that have their own little plot, like a little planter almost. And uh, there's an herb garden off to one side of the the garden. You have a tree that's growing what looks to be lemons or some sort of citrus fruit. And it seems like whoever lives here is meticulous about keeping their garden beautiful and organized and well-trimmed and keep everything just pristine. And you knock on the door? Uh, yes. I mean, I'm going to take my time, like, through the garden. I mean, I am still, I think, a probably a little dazed um, from the experience. So just sort of taking in these beautiful plants and, like, breathing in the air um, and sort of trying to get a hold of myself um, and then going to head up to the, uh, to, up to the cabin. And because it seems like someone lives there, rather than just barging in, <laughs> I'll knock on the door. On that note, uh, the air is damp. It's, it's, it's as if it has just rained and it's not wet outside, but well, it's, it's a little bit damp, but the water vapor kind of hangs in the air. It's, it's a very like refreshing feeling. I have, I'm like, have character envy right now. I want to literally be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I'm, yeah, I'm I, so, so nice. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. And you knock on the door and you hear a, a, a voice of an old man. Who is it? Hello? Who is it? Um, hello. Uh, my, my name is Bryn. I don't know. I'm sorry, I, uh, I I don't really know where I am, but your garden is lovely. Oh, please come in. You you may absolutely come in. The door is unlocked. I'll make some tea. Okay, so I'm a little cautious because he's not like come to the door, mm -hmm. but has instead just been like, come in. Mm -hmm. um, can I, are there windows on the cabin? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, do they have curtains? of any kind like before Curtains I go not in, can gone. I take like a cursory glance through the window um, yeah. before opening the door absolutely your first check reveals that everything in this cabin is lit by candlelight there's nothing oh. like no electricity um, it, or at least it doesn't seem that way and there's a fireplace um, that's producing a little bit of light but everything seems to be lit by candlelight. Is it on like midday or like what? Time? Oh no, it's it's night. Like oh, it's, it's um, okay. Probably Ooh, okay. going from like early evening into sunset. Okay, oh, a little spookier than than I uh, than I imagined initially. <laughs> okay. <A little> bit. <laughs> um. So all I can sort of see is like the candles. Can I see the man that's inside? Yeah. You you actually you see a figure of a man. Um. 
I don't know what this would be without electricity, but essentially there's a fire that he's using to, to make tea. Uh, and he has just a, a boiling pot of water mm-hmm. sitting on top of this fire in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks to be well contained, uh, but yeah, there's... Okay. He's, he's standing over there. The man has uh, a beautiful cloak. It, it, it's, it, it's actually quite colorful. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, I would say it's, it's a dark green color at, at its base. But there are like pinstripes of white and silver that kind of accent the rest of the coat. And then you also have color pops in like a, a lavender color. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'll sort of like crack the door open a little and like stick my head in and say hello. Um, and he'll say, yes, hi. Uh, you, what did you say your name was? Uh, my name is Bryn. Bryn. Wonderful to meet you. Please, um, what brings you here? And I want to describe what he looks like because this is definitely noteworthy. Um, And I, give me a moment because I had a picture for this. (laughs) (laughs) So he's not holding a sword as he is in the picture. Um, And he is in that dark green gown but he looks kind of like that underneath it and he actually has a little bit of a pharaoh's crown around Mm -hmm. his skeletal face uh the most notable thing about him i would think is that he looks like uh, a skeleton. <clears throat> yeah, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he also has, um, like, that picture is a very menacing picture. Mm-hmm. But he actually has an air of calm about him. Okay. Um, he's hunched. He really doesn't look threatening at first glance. And he gives a okay. big, toothy grin. Not like a, not a creepy grin, but just like lots of teeth. You can see them all. Um, and it, his jaw kind of drops down a little bit as he smiles. Um, and he says, Bryn, welcome. It is so nice to finally have a visitor. It has just been so very long. Nobody comes to see me anymore. Okay, well... First of all, wow, I want to be this skeleton living in a beautiful little cottage when I grow <laughs> up. Um, oh, also, I, I suppose uh, Brignoe would not be as shaken as I was when I initially saw this skeleton image because, you know, there are tons of bizarre looking skeleton-like folk uh, in, in my world. Um, sure, so. yeah, okay, so I'm gonna combat that a little <laughs> or is bit. He like, like... Or, is, it, or is, this, is this disturbing to me? Or is this usual? So... <laughs> It's like, so Modus, for example. Right, because I was Modus like, kind of looks, Right, he kind of looks like this, but this one looks more like mythic, maybe okay. more ancient. Uh, he has 
an air of pride about him. And there's a sense that he is where he is supposed to be and he knows exactly who he is. And you don't see that with undead. Undead, okay. usually, when they die and they become undead, they lose everything that came before. Or at least they lose a large part of what came before. Modus is no exception in that he's essentially right now, you know, he has this awesome character and Dan does a wonderful job with Modus. But Modus is, in large part, an artificially intelligent exocortex. And right. he lost what yes. came before that. Um, so he's different in that sense. Okay. Well, I certainly know uh, my response. <laughs> um, so I walk all the way into the room and I see this skeleton man standing in front of me, um, you know, welcoming me, like happy to have a visitor. I say, to be completely honest, I'm not sure how I came to visit. Oh shit, am I dead? Oh. I definitely think I'm dead. And he, he gives a chuckle, oh, <laughs> oh, well, you know, I couldn't tell you. Um, sometimes that's not certain. Please don't fret, uh, let's, let's talk and maybe we can figure it out together. Uh, I can understand you might be concerned. Uh, please don't be. Um, here, here's some tea. Uh, I, I can't drink any myself. Uh, <laughs> I don't really. And he kind of gestures to, he like opens his cloak a little bit and there's literally nothing that can digest anything. It's just a skeletal body. Um, and uh, then he says, nobody ever does intend to visit me. Uh, people end up here for different reasons. I mean, I see some people who need something. I see some people who are running away from something. I see some people who, yes, have died. I see other people who may not um, have learned how to live yet. I may not be the most popular of people. Uh, and he gestures to himself, many people are afraid. And so, they aren't the uh, most inclined to visit, even subconsciously, someone like myself. But clearly something has brought you in and maybe we can uh, discuss this and determine what that might be together. <clears throat> okay, so I take the tea, um, mm -hmm. but I don't drink it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a little cautious still, like, um, you know, I don't know whether I've lived or died and I might have a little like, concerned for a little like Persephone situation here where I shouldn't maybe <laughs> consume anything where I am, when I am where I am. Um, so I say, I, I certainly fit all of those bills. I could, I mean, from what I remember, I very well could be dead, but I certainly also. He stops you when you say that and he goes, huh, me too. <laughs> Um, that will definitely get, like, a real chuckle out of Brignore as well. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll say. Um, uh, yes. Well, it's not... While I may be dead, it's certainly not unheard of for me to end up somewhere 
mysterious such as this. Oh, and why do you say that? I am curious, maybe that would be our first step in determining why you're here. Um, I suppose I see things in a unique way. Um, our world, reality, it's more than just one thing to me. I can see many realities and this He's, could be one of them. He says, I understand. And he waves his hand. And when he waves his hand, almost uh, think of a silver platter appears in the sky in front of him. There are three of them. And he touches one and kind of this dimensional window appears. And then he touches another and it's a dimensional window and it's showing the same forest. Then he touches another and it's the same forest. And he goes, I think I may understand your realities. Uh, uh, reference. Uh, he says this one, same forest, except there's one species of butterfly that lives here that doesn't live in this one. And then he points to the next one. And in this one, there's a species of fox that lives here that doesn't live in the first. They're all just a little bit different, but they are the same place. Um, I really like the way that he's described this. This certainly puts me at ease more because it's such a simple, small, tender way of looking at the differences in these realities and I think especially like of recent I've only been thinking in um, more violent terms of the differences in our realities and pulling violence from other realities in our previous combat which I think is something that Brittany Ray hasn't certainly I've mischievously pulled things from other realities but the violence is something that is new to me and so I think that like internally hearing somebody put this in such like a simple and like almost childish way um, is like very comforting to me and reminds me of how I used to feel back before I like grew up and went through the things that I've been. So I'm certainly, I'll express to him that I like that way of looking at it. And then I will, I'm more comfortable. So I'll take a sip of the tea because I feel a little more comfortable. <laughs> um, or well, for um, initiative, you know, I'm just kidding. Taking, uh, no! <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, taking like a moment of reflection as well. Um. And when you describe that, he says, yes, the realities are much more than what many often use them for. It's been eons since anyone has visited me. And I am curious as to why you're here. Uh, I think that maybe... You need something, but what would you need? And why would you be sent to me? And he's kind of devolving into self-discussion now, asking himself rhetorical questions that, or not rhetorical, but asking himself questions that he knows only he can get the answer to in the moment. Mm -hmm. Why would you be sent to me? What would you need? Can you describe to me what you were doing 
and why you were doing it before you arrived here. Um, in my reality, where I come from, I am working with a group of, well, friends, I suppose. Um, there's, there's, a, there's this group that, I don't, I don't know how much he understands of, I don't really know who this, what this guy's like frame of reference for things is. So it is, uh, Brignoy is gonna like stumble over trying to describe what had happened. Um, but we were in a, we were in a battle to protect, to protect our friends. Um, and me and my group were cast out into space by a sorcerer who was manipulating death. Um, a dangerous game to play. Yes. So dangerous it almost cost us our lives. <laughs> and who's and to they say have what cost you yours? May, may, yeah, yep, yeah. Try not to dwell too much on the might be dead thing, but it would, it would, it would make sense because the last thing I remember, I was drifting in space with my friends around me, watching this sorcerer escape. Well, I do have one thing that I am terribly good at. And that one thing might be helpful for you. And so I think that maybe I should tell you what that one thing is. And you can tell me whether or not it might help you. You say that you're trying to protect your friends, which is quite admirable, I might add. And protection can come in many different forms. The one thing I am terribly good at is secrets. And he kind of bends down a little bit lower and looks uh, looks at you. Um, this eyeless hole that's illuminated by uh, a green light. And he says, secrets have always been my most treasured tool. And I have to say that those secrets can be used for bad. Many secrets can also be used for good. And protection is a good thing. Maybe I can help you learn what you need to protect through a few secrets of my own. I gotta say, man, that was very cryptic. But... <laughs> If you have a secret that can help me, I, I mean, I suppose, like you said, I'm here for a reason and um, lay it on me, whatever you got. Well, I can't say that I will be telling you the secrets. Please think of this more as the, uh, hmm, the path that you entered my cabin on, cobblestone pathway. Each cobblestone makes up a larger hole. It's not my job to guide you into my cabin. 
It's your job to follow the cobblestones. And when you reach the end, you have the answers that you see. I am the one that you sought, though you may not have known it. The cobblestones led you step by step, piece by piece here. And so I would do the same for you. I would never deny you the glory of discovering your own secrets. And so what I can do to help you is guide you toward your own discovery of those secrets. Would you be willing to cooperate? What is this, therapy, man? <laughs> my, my secrets. Your secrets. I have a certain gift. And that gift would lead you to learning about the secrets that you lack. And um, he gives a whistle. And a little parrot made of bones with uh, wings that are illuminated in light rather than like feathers soars down from the, the rafters of this cabin and lands on his wrist. And he gives it a little like, oh, that's a good boy. That's a very good boy. And then uh, he says, my companion can guide you. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, he whistles again. And the companion, the little parrot, soars over to your shoulder and uh, nudges its head against your cheek and then whispers something in your ear. And it says, past. Um, give me a mysticism check. 21 again. I rolled the same exact thing I rolled before. So weird. So with your mysticism, uh, you not only are told past by this bird, um, and it's it's not quite a, like a speak, it's more like a, a, a general whisper, like a but you know that it's saying past. Um, and the, you see the old man uh, kind of fading from view, and he says, good luck, I'll be here when you return. Um, and then he fades out, and you end up in kind of a, a slowly appearing landscape. And as it appears, and you start to notice the larger picture, there's what looks to be like a giant metal garage. Um, like a bunker of some sort, maybe. And you see two gentlemen, two Verthani gentlemen. Uh, Verthani is a race. It's actually the race that Modus is. Mm. Um, except Modus died and became a Borai, right? Right. So you see two Verthani gentlemen. Each has weapons drawn and they're standing back to back. 
uh, and one of them shouts, Foravius, give it to him. Shoot him in the face. Let's go. Come on, Foravius. And uh, the man who seems to be responding goes, uh, Don't pressure me, bud. And he takes out a, um, a rifle. And the rifle has what looks to be a dart in it that he loads. Uh, and he takes a shot. Uh, you know, you follow the shot where it goes, and it leads into what looks to be a soldier of Discord. Um, and this guy who just shot him says, Talk that, bud. And Ravius, the man who just said, Talk that, uh, begins running. And he runs toward another soldier. And he slides, takes a little injection stick, and stabs this soldier in the calf. Uh, and the soldier collapses and begins writhing in pain. Um, the other man follows him, shooting with double pistols. They end up back to back again. And then suddenly, the man named Foravius takes a shot to the head and he falls down and he's out. Uh, give me a medicine check. Can you do medicine? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. No, I can't. Okay. <laughs> totally blocked out. <laughs> totally fine. Um, and this other man, this other Verthani man, goes uh, kind of gets down and covers the body as well as he can while also shooting. He goes, Foravius, wake up. Foravius, wake up. We have to go. And he's shooting. Uh, and he kind of takes one of the pistols, holsters it, and says, please, come on, don't let me down. Bud, I need you. And he uh, takes his body and starts dragging him um, while shooting with the other pistol. The Everything goes black, and you end up in what looks to be like a medical station of some sort. Mm -hmm. And you see this same man, Foravius, who is beginning to kind of rot away, almost. Except this time, he has what looks to be a piece of metal attached to his head that kind of, uh, it, it looks like an, an exocortex that a mechanic would wear. Uh, and fade to black, and then everything comes back up again. And this time it's the same man, except he's all bones, sitting in a suit of armor. And he has that same exocortex. And it's who you recognize as Modus. I knew it. I'm like on the verge of tears right now. Just I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I knew it was going to be Modus. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, in that moment, the door busts open. And the other man who was attempting to drag him away before appears in the doorway. And he walks in without looking, takes a pistol to the security camera, shoots it square in the face, takes a pistol, shoots it again, uh, shoots another one. And he looks at the man and goes, what have they done to you? Um, and then picks him up as best as he can over one shoulder. Faravius, uh, or who you know as Modus, is semi-conscious, somewhat uh, able to walk-ish, uh, but only with assistance. And the man walks him out of the facility, shooting as they go. Uh, throws him onto the back of the speeder bike and speeds off. Fade to black. Give me a mysticism check. It's a lot. It's a lot. Mm. 15. That's still good enough. Um, you also recognize this as the past. Uh, when, when you've used your Akashic download spell as mm -hmm. a witch warper, there has been a sort of shimmer in these memories or these, these uh, pieces of information that are unique only to the past. And that shimmer exists only in the past. And then you have a, sh a shimmer that exists for the present and a shimmer that exists for the future. And the future shimmer is usually very cloudy. And there's a cloud over what's happening. This is the past. You see a very young Yusoki and she is strapped against a vertical hospital bed. So think hospital bed with a hinge on the bottom that can hinge up and there's a small mouse person attached, uh, strapped in by large metal binders on wrists and ankles and she's sobbing. She is unable to control her emotions. Um, and she's begging, begging, begging for the people around her, people who look like doctors, to stop. She's saying, please stop, please, I can't take it. Please, please stop, please stop. And she's shouting and she's just crying as she shouts. Um, and you see one of the doctors with a clipboard jot something down and nod at another, almost like this isn't a person that they're dealing with. It's just a, a subject, test subject. Uh, he nods at another doctor and the other doctor nods back kind of almost like, oh yes, yeah, business as usual. Um, and he takes an injection stick, walks over and uh, injects the Yusoki and her eyes go wide and uh, there is like when you have uh, bloodshot, bloodshot eyes. Mm. So her eyes go wide and they become bloodshot um, and she begins screaming 
and she goes, no, make it, make it stop, make it stop. Please, please, I don't want to hurt anybody. And she begins to glow. And as she glows, the room gets brighter. And then eventually, she forms what you would know as a Solarian supernova. Um, it's kind of a very mini explosion that comes from an individual. Um, it's very similar to what you have seen Jack do in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, give me a perception check. I want to see if you know who this is. Mm -hmm. And I think you as a character, you as a player probably know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's like trauma 101 session. Yeah. How am I going to face everyone? Oh my god, that was very bad. Um, 13. It's still above Wait. a 10. Yeah. Uh, you notice this as a very young Jack, maybe the equivalent of 13 or 14 years old in human years. Uh, and as she supernovas, uh, the equipment in the room falls down. A couple of the doctors kind of fly back. Uh, they, they stand up, business as usual, and they look at the lead doctor who then says, interesting. Well done, Jack. Well done and then looks at another doctor and nods and then fade to black. <clears throat> and then you end up in another vision of the past. Everything goes to black and you be, you're, you're now in an office and there's a Discorp executive sitting in a, sitting at an office desk. The executive looks at a very tall, very strong looking orcish woman, half orc, and says, did you complete your mission? And she looks and she says, yeah, we got it done, boss. And she throws down uh, like a data drive on the table. It's all here. Um, payment, please. And uh, there's also a, there's an orange Akashti. He has orange scales. He's about three and a half feet tall. And he steps forward next to who you would recognize as Janet. And says, yeah, boss, we, uh, we got it done. Um, what else did you need from us? And he says, oh, just one more thing. Looks at the group. You see a Lashunta woman. You see an Ikeshti, the one who just stepped up. You see Janet. And you see Jack. And they're all together. And the executive says, just one more thing. And uh, he presses a button and all of them drop into the floor beneath them. And you kind of drop with them. Give me an acrobatics check. <clears throat> 21, very you land on, Yeah, you land on your feet. Uh, and there are four drow in the room with them, dark elves, essentially. 
and they begin firing at these people, shooting them, trying to shoot them down. So after this vision fades to black and you wake up in basically what's like a dark space with, it's like a void. Um, tell me what is Bryn thinking right now? What's going through her mind? Um, what is she trying to make sense of? And do you have any questions for me? Oh my gosh. Um, well, definitely, I think uh, there's a little teary-eyedness going on. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out like why, why I'm being shown this, why the trauma of my friend's past is important for my future or has to do with why why I am where I am, why I'm why I haven't woken up, you know, starting to think maybe less that I'm dead and more that someone or something is like trying to show me something, but I really I just can't I can't yet figure out what 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 the relevance is um now that i'm in this like void i'm definitely like i i would i would say that brent is crying and um just like a little lost and confused awesome thank you awesome <laughs> like in terms of torturous gm action sorry <laughs> um okay let's see give me a no, you don't need to give me a check. The parrot is at your side, uh, kind of rubbing its face against your cheek. And you give me a mysticism check. You're not going to believe this. 21 again. Are you serious? I don't Dang. know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Uh, <sighs> um, it's asking if you're ready to move on. Move on? Oh, move on. uh... <laughs> My God. You don't? With your 21, you don't get the sense that it's referring to death. It's asking okay. if you want to continue this journey. If you're ready to continue this journey. Okay, so hey, give me a second. Sort of wipe my eyes clean. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath. I'm like reflecting a little bit on, on my friends and sort of hoping they're okay and that I'm not being shown this because there's something wrong with them. Um, and then I say, okay, I'm ready. And the parrot flies forward. And as it flies, a cobblestone path appears underneath it. And you can choose to walk forward. Yes, yeah, I'm going to, you know, sort of like, I, f I figure I've been like sort of crumpled on the ground a bit, um, kneeling. And so I stand up and I follow along the path. I, as you follow the path, an office illuminates around you. And this time you see a man you know well, a man that you have studied for months. Karal Razu is in his office, this brilliant Strix man. He has wings that stretch from one side of the office to the other, and they open and close now and then as if just to stretch. And he's looking out a window onto a very uh, a very urban setting. So this is think 
LA of the future. High rise buildings that stretch, I think Coruscant. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's on Coruscant or this similarly looking place in a high rise office. And he's looking out, stretching his wings from one side to the other. Um, and he has a goatee that it's short, but it's, it's there, it's black. His skin is a pale blue color. His wings in the back are a dark, dark blue. Uh, his feet are normal human looking-ish feet, except they have one talon, kind of like a velociraptor talon for the big toe. And he's just looking. And someone walks in the room behind you. And you find yourself unable to turn around. Give me a mysticism check. Kind of like sent chills down my spine. <laughs> it's like when you're in a dream and you feel mm. someone behind you and you can't move. Yeah. Um, 17. 17. This is the same presence that you felt just before you were thrown out into the vacuum of space. The same exact person who was there, that sorcerer, is now in the room with you. And you realize the reason you can't turn around is because he is standing exactly where you're standing. And he steps forward, and then suddenly you have your mobility back. As he steps forward, he says, I want that station on Octurn. Get it for me. And Razu says, I will have it. I will have it. He's not looking at the sorcerer. I will have it. The Akayo family will rise up to seize it with Chimera's help. And the terms of the deal will leave them as nothing but figureheads. I will have it. Fade to black. And you're as in, it's, uh, sorry, you're as in. it's like fading to black and I like, I don't think Brynjora would be able to like emotionally hold herself back and would like definitely like let out like a snarl and like leap forward. But then obviously it's fading to black. Cool. Grasping and as it, nothing. As you leap forward, you leap into that same void where you just were. Um, what are your thoughts? Tell us a little bit about your background uh, from the Akayo family. Yes, um, so I, you know, Brynue is a member of the Akayo family who used to be in control of this station that they were speaking of, Pyre Spike Station. Um, and they were very, powerful wealthy family um that had a you know lots of power and control um and have since uh lost everything and fallen from grace to the point where people don't truly believe that anyone from the akaio family exists anymore and even if they do they're nothing they're dirt beneath the feet of the people who are in in control um of the station and of of the galaxy um so i have never really 
understood my family um, and I'm not particularly close to them. The members of my family that still exist are obsessed with regaining that lost wealth and that lost power. Um, but I don't see the value in that power and personally don't understand the need and desire to get it back and often view a lot of my family members as being like quite petty and, and um, self-centered and is I'm not really interested in it. So I haven't spoken to any of them certainly since I've been out of prison. Um, they're all sort of undercover um, using different names so as to escape the shame of the Akayo name. So we're going by the uh, name of Kay. Um, so I haven't spoken to any of them in a year, maybe more, um, but know that wherever they are um, and whatever's going on with them, I would only assume that they're obsessed, still obsessed with regaining that power and living in shame. Another thing is that the vision you just had was the present, meaning as you viewed it, it happened in real time. So you oh, were shit. watching it happen in the very moment that it happened. So now I'm, and I, I would know this. So I'm equally com confused. I, I, I'm even more confused and panicked now because, you know, I don't know where my family is and I don't know what's going on with them. And they're, you know, I can't imagine how they would feel being in any position lower than where they are. And even though I don't really connect with them, they're my family and I don't want anything worse to happen to them. Um, Cause it's difficult for me to see them the way that they are, which may be part of why I haven't spoken to them and why I don't associate with them. Cool. And you're God. back in that void. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Fired up. I'm, I'm feeling emotional. I'm in mm -hmm. it. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. <laughs> this is, I've been excited about this session. Um, <gasps> okay. So you're back in that void and given some time, the parrot will ask you, are you ready to move on? Not in so many words, but... Yeah. Um, I, you know, I nod wearily. Uh, and you see a cobblestone pathway appear below the parrot's wingspan as it flies, or below the, the parrot's flying path. And you're able to walk that cobblestone pathway. As you do, a shimmer appears around you that is familiar, but probably also equally frustrating. This shimmer seems to indicate that what you're about to see is the future. Uh, everything becomes blurry. So when you do your perception checks, you're going to take a minus two to your rolls. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And you're now on that same, you're in that same city, it looks like, that you were just in with Razu. Not in an office. You're now on a veranda overlooking... Um, flying cars, 
you're overlooking a bustling highway. There are some pretty trees, but everything's very urban. It's made of metal, there's lots of steel, there's lots of like, um, lots of windows, um, <clears throat> Coruscant. And Razu, who you will recognize without a perception check, is meeting with someone. I'd like you to give me a perception check. 19 minus 2, 18, 17. Yeah, you'll get this one. This is the same Discorp executive who ordered the kill order on Janet, Jack, Rex, and Liara. Yeah, the ones that you didn't know. Mm -hmm. uh, he's there. He's speaking with Razu. And he says, I need something from you. I need as many of Discorp's resources as you can provide. I will supply my resources from the vast, and you will supply your resources from the Pact Worlds. This will not be an easy venture. But when the first of Rova comes, this star system will fall to its knees, begging to be returned to what it once was. And when that happens, you and I will be on top, as we always are, looking down at all of the people who wished they were us. And you fade to black again. You're in that void. Thoughts, questions, anything. So it was the dis that was the Discorp exec who mm -hmm. said that. No, um, that was actually Carol Razu. Razu said that. Okay. Mm -hmm. I will supply from the vast. You will supply from the Okay. <sighs> okay. Um, I mean, do I know what Rova is? It's a month. The first of Rova. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, well that's good. Dates are important. <laughs> um, shit, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have any questions about that. I mean, the whole thing is certainly like, you know, it, it's, it's a little confusing to me. I don't know exactly what they're plotting and exactly what they're planning, but at least I have an idea. Like, obviously I distrust uh, Quell Razu and everything that he stands for. Um, and now I know that like he's plotting something that has to do with my family. Um, so I'm angry, confused, um, desperate to reconnect with my friends and help them. Cool. Okay. And you now end up in that same prison where you were with the, um, the woman who told you about Carl Razu. And you're in your cell. And there wasn't a clean cut for this one. It was like, end this encounter with Razu and this Discorp executive. And then everything kind of glitches out. And then suddenly, you're in this prison cell with the woman who was wronged by Razu. Um, can you describe what he did just for listeners? 
Yes, um, she was a, an assistant of his, um, and uh, you know, aside from all the typical assistant abuse that one receives um, when he was found to be doing some sort of shady dealings, um, he framed her, and she was sent to prison as a result of that. Okay, um, give me a mysticism check. Seventeen. Um, it takes you a few moments. But using what you know about or from your witch warper abilities, this is an alternate dimension. You are currently living out something that happened in an alternate dimension. You're in this prison cell. And you realize this is the dimension where you were not released. This was the dimension where you escaped. Same. <laughs> that was not me. That was a cat. <laughs> but this on another Finnick. deeper level, it was me. <laughs> yeah, oh this God. is this is the one where you escaped. Um, and just in that moment, when you realize this, sirens begin sounding within the facility. That is the riot siren. Um. You've heard it a couple times before, but usually it's not accompanied by the door of your cell sliding open. And not just the door of your cell, the door of every cell in the prison slides open. And you and your friend have an opportunity to run. Are you taking it? Yes, can we give her a name? Um... Yes. What's the name? Do you want to give her a name? Yeah, no, her I'm name. in the name. No, I'm in the name position. Let's call her Durst. Durst <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> hey, I, I did the name. same with bricks. So <laughs> Durst. No, um, um, she's a Lashunta woman, uh, so okay. she has antenna coming out of the top of her head, uh, but she looks relatively human for the most part. Um, door slides open. And she says, what's happening? Do we go? Okay, so I look around and like, oh, she's actually speaking to me in this. So like, you know, this is Brignore's thought, like realizing I'm in this, you know, universe where she can speak to me. And I'm like, yes, yes, let's go. Well, I'm gonna look around. Are, are there people leaving their cells? I need to see. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, people okay, yeah. are running. Yes. Um, so, uh, I'm like, yes, let's go. So I'll like grab Durst's hand and pull her out like quietly down the hallway. She um, follows. Um, this is anything but quiet, by the way, this whole little Oh yeah, thing. everyone else is stampeding. I'm just trying to not make like a yeah. raucous, you yeah. know, we're trying to slip away. And, uh, you're able to run with the sea of people. Right. And you see, um, <clears throat> A hallway that just kind of continues leading downward and you can run uh, toward down the hallway um, you would recognize this as just the hallway that leads to like processing for prisoners um, this is where you came in to the prison in the first place and you're working your way down this way um, and some soldiers 
Discorp soldiers. They step in the way of the crowd of people and they begin firing. Um, <clears throat> the way we're going to run this combat is just you and four Discorp soldiers are on the board. Okay. But there are probably 50 people in this area. We're just going to say that only a confirmed critical failure will hit one of the people other than your target. Um, roll for initiative. 20. Cool. Discorp soldier initiative is low. That is gonna be... Um, soldier two is a nine. Soldier three is a fifteen. Soldier four is a twenty-one. Okay, so discard soldier four sees you. These are going to be the only Discord soldiers interacting with you. There are other soldiers interacting with other individuals. Okay. Cool. Um, but these four, or this this one, sees you. He pulls out his pulse caster pistol, and he aims it. Does a twelve hit you? Probably not. Oh, yeah. I forget how to. So that is your EAC. What is your EAC? Oh yeah, no, 17. So okay. yeah, that doesn't hit. 12 definitely doesn't hit. So we go to you. Okay. Um, in the area. Okay, so I would like to use my uh, Infinite Worlds class feature to um, sacrifice a, a level two spell slot to do an instantaneous effect. Um, so, doing that, I would cause a destabilizing event. Um, so, like, let's say in this circumstance, like, maybe just, like, a strong gust of, like, sharp, icy wind. Um, and each creature within the area has to succeed as a, at a reflex save or be knocked prone. Cool. Well, his reflex save fails. That's a five. So all of these Discorp soldiers are knocked prone. Good shit. That's a fun one. I was scared to use that one last time because of all of my, like all the party members. I didn't want to yeah. knock them over. That's a cool one. <laughs> all right. Um, and so the way that we'll RP this is everybody falls prone for a moment, yeah. even the people not on this map. Um, but falling- yeah, their prisoners at set. Right, falling prone, you're not really dealing damage to them yet, but, mm -hmm. okay, so that's your turn. Discorp Soldier 3. Uh, he takes his move action to stand back up. He takes a standard action to throw a sticky bomb grenade at you. The DC for this is a five, or the AC for this is a five. So that is a 
Seven, it does hit, it's gonna land right on you. And you are now entangled, meaning you cannot move. Okay. For seven rounds. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're entangled, but you still can <sighs> shoot. Um, let me look up what entangled does, just so that you know. You are ensnared. Being entangled impedes your movement, but does not entirely prevent you from moving, unless the bonds are anchored to an immobile object, which they're not. You move at half speed, you cannot run or charge, and you take a minus two penalty to your AC, attack rolls, reflex saving throws, initiative checks, and dexterity-based skill and ability checks. I'm going to send you this so that you can see um, what it is. Okay, that is his move. Next up is Discorp Soldier 2, and Discorp Soldier 2 will also take his move action to stand up. And he aims his pulse caster pistol at you and rolls to hit. That's a natural one. <laughs> Do I have to roll for the fail? And he's gonna fail. So his he shoots he pulls the trigger and his weapon jams these are mm-hmm. not the best guards um yeah. stormtrooper style <laughs> yeah. and then we go to discorp soldier one who takes his move action to stand up and he does the same thing very predictable he pulls his pistol mm-hmm. and he rolls a 19 to hit. Does that hit your EAC? Uh, yes. Okay. You will take three electricity damage. And you have full health, by the way, uh, for this mm-hmm. encounter. Okay. And next up is Discord Soldier 4, who stands up with his move That's action. It wasn't useful what I did there. Oh, it was, because they can't move toward you. Um, and they have a better bonus to hit in person. He's going to roll a 19 plus five. So that's a 24 to hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he takes his pulse caster pistol and does two electricity damage to you. And that's it. That's his turn. You're up next. Um, okay. So with my skip shot pistol. Um, if I'm gonna do no moving, I can't move. I can't move. So oh, you, you actually can. So you oh, have can half move. speed. Um, oh, doesn't entirely run. You, I see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not gonna move. I'm gonna like do a double attack or whatever. I... Cool, so give me a minus four to your attack rolls. Okay, also, right, and then also a minus two, so minus. No. Yes. Right? So From minus the... six to your attack rolls. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. <sighs> I'm never gonna hit anyone. I'm just gonna stand here and die. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'll do the skip shot pistol. Okay. For the minus. Literally like negative one. <laughs> <laughs> Roll again. Give me your second full attack. <laughs> Five. Five. Okay. Yeah, that misses. And we'll go through this next one. They're all gonna do almost the same thing. 
Um, no, they're not actually. Discarp Soldier, he's actually gonna full action move up to you. Discarp Soldier three will double move. Discarp Soldier two, he's gonna go here and he pulls his pistol and he will shoot. That is a 18 to hit. Yeah, that'll hit. Five electricity damage. And then Discorp Soldier 4 is back again. He's gonna full attack with his baton. First one misses. Second one misses. 12 to the KAC. Okay, you're up. Okay, so I'll use my um, Slice Reality spell on all of them. So 18 is the DC. Sounds about right for level six. Cool. Yeah. Um, and what are they rolling? Um, four. Okay. Ooh, one of them rolled a natural 20. That's an auto success. Um, one of them rolled a an eight. So they will fail. Discorp Soldier 3 fails. What happens to him? Um, okay, so Slice Reality is uh, exposes them to a churning entropy, which turns parts of their body sickly and black. So it's 2d6 damage. Damn, roll it. Let's go. Oh, also, yeah, okay. So a successful Fortitude save would half the damage rather than cool. nine. Cool. So Discorp Soldier 4 and Discorp Soldier 1 only take 4 damage. Mm -hmm. And Discorp Soldier 2 and 3 take 9. Okay. Um, Next is Discorp Soldier 3. He runs to you. Takes his baton. Rolls to hit. Rolls a very low number. Um... And misses. Mm-hmm. And then Discorp Soldier 2. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. And then pulls his pistol and shoots you. Natural 1. Why am I rolling so damn low? <laughs> Natural 1 again. again. Are you one. kidding me? Okay, so <laughs> his gun just breaks. Um, and he no longer has a gun. Um... Awesome. So yeah, Discord Soldier Two is weaponless, uh, or no, is he cannot use his ranged attack anymore? Discord oh, okay. Soldier One goes thirty and aims at you with his pulse caster pistol. Rolls a two on the dice <laughs> and misses. Oh my, my god! <laughs> what the hell is going on? Um, I think these dice are mad at me because I haven't used them in forever. <laughs> okay. It is now Discorp Soldier 4's turn. He's going to full attack. A 2. Minus 4, so a negative 2. And full attack again. Or he's going to attack again. And this time it is a 15 KAC. That's probably going to miss. Yeah, that misses. These guys can't touch you. Go ahead and take your move. Okay. Can... 
who's um okay you know what? i'll just do the same um uh it's my last level two spell slot but i'm gonna do the same um spell that i just did in the last round the cool. uh, slice reality spell sounds good so again 18 and they're gonna roll dc discard soldier four succeeds it's soldier three fails Soldier two succeeds. Soldier one fails. So damage. Ten. Cool. Soldier two and soldier three fall to the ground, writhing in pain and die. Nice. Prison guard murder. Yeah. Nice. All right. That was two and three that are done. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Soldier three is down. Soldier two is down. And soldier one, five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, pulls his pistol again. Natural 20 on the dice. Let's confirm. Natural 20 again to confirm. Okay, so that's going to be double damage, and the critical effect is nothing. It doesn't have one, but double damage. So that is six electricity damage. (laughs) It's your turn. Oh, wait. What do you want to do? Um, I have a class class feature um, called alternate outcome in which I can cause a critical hit to fail. Cool. Wow. That's really powerful. Yeah. <laughs> so it just completely fails and doesn't hit at all. Alternatively, you can expend a use of this ability as a reaction to cause a critical hit against you or an ally to instead be a cool. normal hit. Okay. Sounds so that good. would be six damage then, yes? So that would just be three damage because the oh, double okay. damage was six. Oh, okay. Nice. And then okay. discard soldier four. Takes his baton, swings at you, and misses. Um, it's now your turn again. Okay. Decisions, decisions. Um, okay, so I'm gonna use my feet. Cosmic Truth on Discorp Soldier 4. Okay. Um, um, if I have five ranks in Bluff, what's half? It's gonna be two. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, so 15. Okay. Well saved, right? Yeah. He succeeds. He got a 16. Yeah. With that, next up is Discarp Soldier, number one. 5, 10, 15, 20. Steps up to you, pulls his baton, and swings. And misses. <clears throat> Discorp Soldier 4 pulls his baton for a full attack. That's a 19 on the dice. That's going to hit. And then the second full attack is a 16 on the dice plus 8 for a 24. So both of those will hit. Um, this is going to be 7 bludgeoning for the first and eight bludgeoning for the second. 
So 15 total bludgeoning damage. My turn now? Yes. Okay. Um if I were to throw a frag grenade just like role play wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do <laughs> Am it. Am I gonna like hurt a lot of people like prisoners that are around? Um we so realistically, if people see a bunch of soldiers coming up to you to try and attack you, people are probably going to run the other direction because they want to get out of this prison. So I'll say you have 20 feet of space between you and the other people around you, including your friend Durst. Okay, good. Okay, um, so I'll throw a frag grenade. They're both, like, right next to each other. Can I hit both of them with that? Sure. Uh, which, potentially. Um, okay. No, you cannot, actually. Unless okay. you also hit yourself. Which you can, can do if you want. And then throw it? You could take a five-foot step. And then throw okay. it. Yes. Yeah, I'll do that. So I'll back up. Okay. Frag grenade, which is a... Now, I haven't done one of these. So I roll a d20, and then it's my ranged bonus. Throne bonus. Throne bonus, Throne yeah. bonus? Mm-hmm. Throne bonus. And you're only okay. rolling against an AC of five. Oh, okay. So all you have to get is five oh. or above. Cool. Yeah, I rolled a 19, so we're good. Nice. Um, so yeah, you hit, and you're able to do your damage. I believe it's a reflex save for them. And. Discorp Soldier 4 fails that reflex save. Um, they both fail. So give me full damage for both of them. Okay, I rolled a six, unfortunately, for you. Okay, nice. <laughs> they both, when the grenade grows, when the grenade goes off, they both uh, get burned and fall to the ground and they die. Yay! So you're able oh, to continue. God. And as you continue forward, you see something that piques your interest. There's an office. Just to your right, before you exit this facility, there's a, sh- a short hallway that leads to what looks like an office. And at the very end, you see a picture of a man with large blue wings and he's standing next to a drow man and they're doing one of those like corporate thumbs up poses like hey we just made a deal or whatever (laughs) and uh, the Strix has his arm around this drow and they're both throwing a thumbs up uh, if you wanted to determine who the Strix was, you'd have to get closer, but there's probably a good guess you know who it is. And it is not in the direction of getting out of the prison. 
it's like here's the exit in front of you and then just to the right there's a small hallway that leads into this office okay um i want to go down toward the hallway but i'm just trying to decide what to say to durst <laughs> she's still with me yeah um she goes, come on, we have to go, we have to go. What are you doing? Why are you stopping? Um, okay, so I'm gonna tell her to go on. I'll be right behind her. And what do you I mean? You, I, I, I don't wanna go without you. There's something that I have to see. Okay, but just don't fall behind. And- It will be one moment, one moment. And she starts to to run through the gates in the prison, at the at the um, entrance to the prison. And she kind of looks back, and then she continues. Okay, so I'm gonna go down the hallway. As you start walking down the hallway, the parrot appears again, and he's leading you into the hallway. As you enter the room, give me a perception check. This is definitely Kural Razu. This is probably a temporary office. Probably, you know, when he comes to visit, this is where he is, where he goes. Um, Definitely not something that looks permanent. This is not his pride and joy office. But it's probably his. The parrot lands on top of the picture the photo of him with this other person, this drow. And the parrot taps its beak, its skeletal beak against the top of the painting or the top of the photo and looks at you expectantly and then taps, tap, 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 look. Tap, 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 look. On the photo, can I like examine it closer? Mm-hmm. How are you examining it? Um, can I try to like take it down? Yeah. See if there's anything behind it or, <laughs> or it actually, underneath it. It doesn't come off the wall. Uh, it hinges. And behind the painting, or I'm sorry, behind the photo is a very small like indentation in the wall, maybe about two inches by two inches. And it's in the shape of a box. And there's a little roll of paper and it is stuck through the ring. And the the ring and the paper sit in this inlay, this indentation in the wall. Um... Can I use my, uh, no, you can't detect magical traps. Okay, I guess I'll just pick it up with Al. Can I try to pick it up? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are you opening up the paper? Uh, Yes. It says, secrets, secrets. You will find them here. 
return to the place to find them here. Secrets, secrets. A lead. Mm -hmm. Reverse prison break. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So can I see if, there, is there anything else in the office that um, is like worth looking at or, you know, digging through? Is there anything notable about the ring? Um, give me a culture check. 22. This ring is probably something that came from someone he loved. So the paper is more of a, like, such a strange thing. Like, I'm in this alternate reality and this paper, like, does not, like, it's more of like a hint of what to do in my reality than like something that will be like reasonably actually printed on this paper, correct? Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's how okay. it's being presented to you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yes, I'm, uncover I'm uncovering the secrets. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else um, in the office that is like notable or? It's really not the like, like you, this is not his, you wouldn't think to like go here if you mm -hmm. wanted to know about Razu. You wouldn't think to go here if you wanted to see a piece of him. Like he doesn't keep right. him, his prizes here. Okay. Um, so with that, um, I'm gonna like replace the paper and the ring. Actually, you know me, I'm gonna take the ring. Cool. Um, pocket it. Um, and With the I, paper? With the paper. Okay. And then um, attempt to follow after Thirst up, back down the hallway, out the door. Cool. Um, give me an athletics check to catch up with her. 14. Um, I don't know if you're going to catch up to her. Yeah, doesn't sound like it. 14. Yeah. <laughs> think you probably are going to lose her in the sea of people. It doesn't mean you can't find her again in the future. Like your, mm -hmm. yourself in this dimension may be able to. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think you will. And you feel an abrupt snap almost as if you've been snapped away from this reality and pulled out of yourself this this like version of yourself you've been like ripped away and you almost see yourself continue forward as you get pulled away backward um mm -hmm. and you stand in front of a cobblestone pathway with a cottage or a cabin and a picket fence and a garden the same place that you were when you began and this time the door opens, and you see the man, this undead skeletal man, peer out, and he says, Welcome back. It is so wonderful to see you again. I hope you had a safe journey. And the parrot flies to him. He gives a little kiss on the beak, and the um, parrot flies up into the rafters, and he says, Please, come in. A few things before you go. 
And so I follow him, sort of stunned, back into the ga- uh, cottage cabin. Did you find the secrets that you were looking for? I found, I certainly found secrets, some that I wasn't looking for and I don't know if I wanted to see, but definitely things that I needed to see. That's the thing, isn't it? That's the interesting part. Something about my gift just gives you what you need. I I really couldn't say that I um, knew exactly what you'd find. I don't think any of us do. Uh, Did you find anything unclear? Not a whole lot about it was clear, but I'm going to have to think on it and share with my friends, if I can, if I can find them again, if, I, if I'm if i not dead, if I make it out of this. And he says, on that note, I can tell you a little secret. I think you'll be perfectly fine. I hope to see you again someday. It's been wonderful to spend the time with you. I hope you'll join me for tea in the future. Um. So can I reach out and like, shake his hand mm-hmm. and say thank you for your hospitality and for everything. And this little pharaoh's skeletal man um, just quietly nods his head, says it was my pleasure, shakes your hand, and he says now this next part can be a little disorienting, so don't mind it. And he holds up his fingers and he snaps. And as he snaps, it's almost as if smoke wisps across his body and he disappears with the smoke. And the landscape, the cottage, everything around you disappears into smoke. And you find yourself waking up on a medical bed. And that's where we'll call it. So mysterious and wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us again here on Galaxy's Greatest. We super appreciate your support. We love your listenership. And I, for one, am very, very, very excited to be back on air and to be bringing you more content and stories. So tune in next week as our heroes wake up after being spaced and then make their way over to Castrovel to speak with Lady Marana Kesh.